Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and tonight we're going to talk about the Colts' 34-17 win over the Titans and also touch on some key injuries to watch ahead of Week 10 Sunday. Hope you all have had a great week, but we got that championship football Sunday, fantasy football Sunday coming up before too long. You need to continue hitting the waiver wire strong, finding the right pivots off injuries, and try to get that win in Week 10 to set us up for more success in the future. So thank you for tuning in as always, and let's talk about this game. So, you know, first big thing to kind of note about this, yes, you know, Colts had a nice 17-point win, but really a game that was decided a lot by some of the Titans' uh, special teams miscues. They had a 17-yard punt from about their own 20-yard line that set up a Colts touchdown drive, and then had a punt block that was immediately taken back for a touchdown, also missed a field goal, and then oddly in the fourth quarter with about eight minutes, left, uh, you know, and you're down three scores at this point on a fourth and three, they decided to go for it instead of kicking the field goal. So I'm not sure what the exact, uh, you know, metrics were on that decision in terms of uh, what was a better move or not, but it seemed like a situation where you should at least get it down to 14 and then, uh, you know, either way, uh, didn't really give themselves a good chance to win with those other issues. So uh, in terms of the Titans offense, uh, you know, it's a sad, sad night, everyone. Had to, uh, you know, sometimes when you work in my line of business, you have these nights where you got to push through emotional pain. You got to set aside, you know, all the all the wrong going on. And you got to you got to put on a happy face to try to still, you know, do your job. And yeah, that's what life is right like right now. A.J. Brown, one catch, 21 yards, four targets, dropped a. Likely 72 yard touchdown. I mean, there's a guy there, but who are we kidding? There's no way that guy was going to take down, uh, you know, someone as good as AJ Brown. So, very disappointing, but, you know, one of these things where, okay, I guess even AJ Brown can't quite go off every single week. So, don't worry. He will still be a top 12 wide receiver week in and week out moving forward. Just was a disappointing game, particularly when you consider, you know, especially in the, uh, I think it was second quarter or third quarter a few times, you could see him really beat his guy off the line of scrimmage, uh, get open deep, even though the ball didn't go on his way so you know I've been pretty critical of the Colts secondary they play physical and you know at some point we do need to kind of uh, take notice of these advanced metrics they're putting up you know whether they had an early season I mean an easy early season schedule or not they are continuing to kind of put a lot of these good passing games to a halt so credit to Xavier Rhodes and company even though you know I've been a hater uh, for a lot of this year one of the stats that has stuck out about them is that I believe they've been number one almost the entire season in contested target rate so even when they have given up some production usually it's not easy to come by. Look, it's AJ Brown. I mean, it's not like you're going to ever sit him because of a matchup like this, or and that goes for, you know, alpha wide receivers uh, against the Colts in the future as well. But uh, just something to keep in mind that, you know, DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, uh, you know, I think just having those sort of guys, you know, just healthy and moving around in the front seven can help just cause enough, enough disruption to uh, help out the secondary. Because Ryan Tannehill, I mean, 15 for 27. 
147 yards and a touchdown. He was just under pressure a lot of the night. Took some hard hits, particularly in the third quarter, and that might have you know been why they ended up taking him out with about three minutes, 30 seconds left, getting Logan Woodside in there for the final garbage time drive. So just wasn't his best game. Again, if you put, if you add the 70-yard touchdown potentially to A.J. Brown, that hit him in the hands after he got open deep down the sideline could have been a different uh, story in terms of his overall uh, metrics. But yeah, just kind of a lot of pressure. Was able to get to, uh, you know Corey Davis a decent enough game, five catches for 67 yards. But otherwise, nobody had over even 25 yards. So had a chance to maybe get John U. Smith a touchdown. He had it was an end zone target, but wasn't going to be easy. Maybe could have been a little defensive pass interference. But other than that, I mean, the only touchdown Tannehill had was a little one yard or two. Uh, Deontay Foreman. Excuse me, I believe it was uh, five yards, but either way, it was you know right there on the goal line. So uh, just wasn't a situation where he was able to make a bunch of big time throws that we're used to. We still see a ton of play action from this offense, and you know I, I think uh, you know in a little bit easier matchups, we'll see Tannehill and company clicking again. But tonight was not their night. Uh, Derrick Henry, 19, 19 carries, hundred three yards, no scores. Got vultured uh, <laughs> once by Deontay Foreman, like we said, from five yards out, and then again this one was even worse by Jonu Smith on a jet sweep from the one yard line. So look, it's certainly way more annoying when Trey Burton's the one scoring on jet sweeps as opposed to John U. Smith. I think we can all accept that, you know, hey, John U. Smith, that guy's a freaking monster. He should be getting some rush attempts from time to time. But either way, certainly still a tilting moment for uh, Derrick Henry managers. And even more so was just like the fact that obviously the last drive of the game, the entire uh, Titans backups were in. But Henry didn't play either of the last two drives because they take him out in pure two-minute situations. And, you know, this is one of those things where I don't think it's fair to call him, you know, this game script dependent back because in a game they lost by 17 and again they were just full on passing and comeback mode by 10 minutes on in the fourth quarter they still found a way to get this dude 19 carries so you're not going to find many other players like that in the league but it is true in the sense that you know we don't see his same you know tantalizing just overall RB1 ceiling in these sort of you know not so good game scripts so I get it in a sense but you know Derrick Henry he's still getting more touches uh, per week than just about anyone else can boast to at the position so game script dependent I think is reserved a little bit more uh, for some of these, you know, scat back types that truly like will not be on the field at all unless things kind of swing their way. So that's about it from the Titans side of the ball. Moving on to the Colts, really just a fishing game from Phillip Rivers, 29 for 39, 308 yards and a score. And yeah, I mean, he didn't make any huge throws downfield, but just consistently found the right guy, got it to him, and made a big play happen. I mean, it wasn't like one big explosive play after another. Michael Pittman, the first-round rookie, hadn't had himself a nice game. But I mean, even then, I thought, you know, some of the Twitter hype on this dude was going a little bit overrated. I mean, you know, we got uh, the Checkdown uh, Twitter account, which, you know, they post their videos very quickly. I appreciate them. But, you know, saying that Michael Pittman's going to be a stud showing a 40-yard catch and run where the Titans' defense just literally didn't guard him. It's like, all right, let's Let's, let's take it easy a little bit. Pittman's big dude. You know, he looks good uh, running out there and stuff. But, you know, I felt like every single one of his catches tonight was just kind of like a crosser that they just weren't quite able to keep up with him and or just weren't really guarding him to begin with. He caught it and then was able to make it happen. Similar thing with his 21-yard uh, uh, rush attempt. So, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. 101 yards uh, receiving is 101 yards receiving. But just wasn't, you know, the most – it wasn't like a Justin Jefferson, like him just making defenders look absolutely silly all night. It wasn't, wasn't one of those types of performances and wasn't even, you know, Jerry Judy uh, level route running. So again, if, you know, it's a situation where he's able to continue to get these fantasy friendly opportunities, that's fine. But I wouldn't, you know, be racing the way wire to get Michael Pittman here moving forward. He had eight targets to lead the way, but still saw T.Y. Hilton with five, Zach Pascal with five, Naeem Hines with six. It is good that, you know, Marcus Johnson only had one. It seemed like they did kind of condense this three wide receiver uh, trio to uh, specifically Pittman, Hilton, and Pascal. But 
I just think we still see so much of the tight ends getting involved. You know, Trey Burton with three targets, Mo Alley Cox, four targets, and then Naeem Hines with six, uh, Jonathan Taylor with two as well. So, so many running backs and tight ends in a wide receiver room that isn't exactly clear. I think, uh, you know, it was surprising to see Rivers throw as much as he did tonight. This, I think, still wants to be a run first offense at its core when they can run, just didn't have much success in this game. So, good game from Pittman, but not someone I'm going to be, you know, rushing to get on the waiver wire. Uh, last note I would say about these receivers Mo Alley Cox, this dude looks just so big out there on the field and I you know if you did not know this he is a former basketball player but I just mean when he's standing next to guys it's like how freaking large is this dude and you look it up and as I'm doing right now to actually find out because I never checked during the game he's 6'6 but I mean I swear the guy seems like he's 7 7 feet out there so 6'6 260 I feel like there's a lot of dudes that way that none look bigger than Mo Alley Cox next time you're watching a Colts game keep an eye out on that but now for the main event this uh, annoying as hell, Colts backfield. Uh, Naeem Hines led the way in snaps with 38. Jonathan Taylor at 17. Jordan Wilkins, uh, 12. And you know what? Naeem Hines, he looked like the best running back out there all night. Running, receiving, whatever it might be. And you can say that, you know, Naeem Hines, he's a better rusher because defenses expect him to pass when he's in there. Whatever it is, if he's a guy that they have to respect more in both facets of the game, I mean, that's it's one of those things where, you know, we criticize like dual threat quarterbacks because they face kind of more basic coverages because defenses have to play them a certain way. And it's like, well, that's that's good. That's a part of, you know, being the type of skill set and being the type of talent that they are. So, you know, credit to Naeem Hines. The only disappointing part about his night was I didn't see any flips on his touchdown celebrations like we've gotten spoiled with before. But overall, 12 carries, 70 yards, and a score also chipped in five catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, this was wild to see him get this sort of usage in the game the Colts dominated. Again, usually we're expecting Naeem Hines to kind of be balling out in games where they fall behind a couple scores. So, uh, surprising to see. And, you know, at this point in the season with the way Wilkins, who had eight carries to 28 yards, Jonathan Taylor, seven carries, 12 yards. The way these guys are playing, I mean, Naeem Hines literally might just be the highest-ranked Colts running back uh, going into uh, next week and beyond. Now, with that said, we obviously cannot predict anything here with any sort of consistent regularity so none of these guys are going to be top 24 backs even though we are going to see pop performances like this credit to Hines on the great game again he he's looked good out there all year this dude is pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands but just not a situation I am willing to, you know, invest too heavily in here moving forward. Uh, but also just know how tilting it truly was for Jonathan Taylor, uh, managers tonight. I mean, on the first drive, he gets a fourth and one. Then they give Jordan Wilkins a fourth and one. And he, get, he gets stuffed. Later, Wilkins uh, dropped a pass from the two-yard line. I mean, he was lined up out wide, kind of alligator-armed it going in. They gave Jonathan Taylor a carry on the goal line later. He got stuffed. They gave Wilkins the next carry. He got stuffed. Then they gave Naeem Hines the goal line carry later. He scored. And to cap things off, everybody, they brought Jacoby Brissett in to do a QB sneak, not from the one-yard line, but from the two-yard line with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. He helped push him in. Frank Reich was loving it on the sideline, just basking in all the fantasy football managers' tears on Thursday Night Football. So, fun game. Colts 34. Titans 17 in the AFC South battle. So both teams are 6-3 and three now. We will see who emerges on top. Fun times there. I uh, want to quickly go through some injury information now, people. But first, we need to give a shout-out to our lovely sponsors at Monkey Knife Fight. You hear me shouting them out often on this podcast. You know why? Because we love them. And as soon as I pull up their ad read, we are going to be good to go, everybody. Monkey Knife Fight. So promo code 
PFF. Basically, you go to monkeyknifefight.com, use promo code PFF, deposit $20, you will get a free PFF Edge subscription. That is a $40 value, everybody, for just $20. Bucks. And you'll get the opportunity to turn that $20 into even more money playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA and Monkey Knife Fight. So go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit your $20 with promo code PFF today to receive your free PFF Edge annual subscription. All right, good stuff, everybody. All right, bunch of injuries this week. Stay at top of ahead of Sunday. Uh, again, you know, usually the final final game designations questionable, you know, doubtful, or if they're just going to be in or out, usually come out Friday. I would say the West Coast teams are in by six or seven Eastern time. But then also, you know, pay attention on Sunday morning, uh, 90 minutes for kickoffs. We have to get that information as well. well. It'll be finalized and who the teams and actors are. So if you can carve out a little bit of time before kickoff at uh, one o'clock, just to make sure uh, it is always advised. So it's, uh, advised. So without further ado, week 10 injuries to watch. First off, Kenny Galladay with his hip still sidelined. So Matthew Stafford, is practicing in full with a neck injury, did not have to enter the concussion protocol. That's good, but this has not been the same offense with Kenny Galladay sideline this season. Stafford has actually only had three games all year under a double-digit yard average target depth. All three have occurred with Kenny Galladay sideline. So, look, the Washington football team defense, I mean, we I think this is a situation where their pass rush is kind of making up for their coverage deficiencies, but whatever it is, I mean, they had a number one defense in fewest PPR points per game allowed to wide receivers. So Marvin Jones, we've seen the volume go up and stuff, but, uh, you know, I don't hate Slotterman as kind of a wide receiver three option, but just don't have very high expectations at all for anyone involved in this Lions just kind of crowded and overall underwhelming offense, particularly when Galladay is out like he is right now. Uh, with the 49ers, so Debo Samuel got out of the COVID uh, protocol, but he's still not practicing due to a hamstring injury, so that's not looking good. Tevin Coleman has been out with his knee injury as well, so Brandon Ayuk season, and also, you know, don't sleep on Jarek McKinnon. He's returned RB2 value in all three of his starts this year and looks like that will be the case again. But yeah, with Ayuk, I mean, on the last broadcast, I think it was uh, Troy Aikman who, who mentioned that Kyle Shanahan's plan was to have like 85% of their pass plays or something kind of designed to go through Ayuk. And when he left, we saw, you know, Richie James go off for nine catches, 184 yards and a score. So I think Ayuk is that good enough talent to kind of put up, you know, maybe not that big a production, but, you know, at least something uh, wide receiver too usable. I mean, he had six catches for 115 yards, nine catches, 91 yards and a score in the two weeks before missing week nine. Brandon Ayuk is someone that you know can truly be slaughtered in the starting lineups with confidence. He's going to be a top 20 receiver for me in week 10. So Chargers run game is an absolute mess right now. Justin Jackson is not practicing due to a knee injury. Coach Anthony Lynn said he could miss all week, but we got Troy Main Pope practicing in full after missing last week with the concussion. So we still got Joshua Kelly, Kalen Balaj there. Stay away, everybody, because there's only one thing that matters in Los Angeles right now, and that, and that is Austin Eckler might be back soon. Fantastic news. He tweeted out tonight to all my fantasy owners that didn't drop me. The time draws near. Showed himself running off the line, looking awfully explosive. Think about the issues we were worried about with Austin Eckler this year. There was this idea that, you know, Kelly was going to take over his job like early on in the year. And we didn't know if Tyrod was going to throw to his running backs. And then we didn't know if Herbert could do anything once he got in the game. Now we have one of the brightest rookie QBs and we, uh, that we've seen really in years. I mean, true, this guy's been the most productive in terms of fantasy points per game rookie QB ever to this point with an offense that is humming. And now we're dropping Austin freaking Eckler, one of the most dynamic running back uh just running backs in the entire league in terms of what he can do in the pass game in addition to this as usual inside the tackle goodness I mean exciting times for everyone that held on to Eckler throughout all this hopefully he can reward fantasy managers in a big way here down the stretch 
With the Jaguars, LaVisca Chenault has been limited all week with a hamstring injury. Sounds like he might have a chance to suit up, but we will see. Uh, DJ Chark did not practice on Thursday, but it was an illness that was not coronavirus, so seems like he will hopefully be out there. Uh, Ian Rapport said LaVisca has a chance, but you know, right now, it's just, this is DJ Chark's offense, and it, other than him, it's hard to trust really anyone in the passing game. James Robinson, you're obviously firing up, uh, firing up but Chark season, everybody. Chark week, whatever you want to call it. It's been Chark month, honestly. Nobody has more air yards than DJ Chark over these last uh, four weeks and week six through nine with 488 air yards. And the Jaguars had a bye week during that stretch. So truly, even though he's missed one in these games, not even having the same amount of uh, opportunities as other guys, nobody has had more downfield opportunities. So Yair Alexander has not been practicing all week with the concussion. Sounds like he will be out there. All the air yards for DJ Chark fire him up with confidence as an upside wide receiver too in this spot. Broncos tight end Noah Fant has been practicing in full with an ankle injury after hobbling off last week. Alberto's done for the season, so fire up Noah Fant and Jerry Judy, who returned to practice after missing Wednesday with a shoulder injury. I mean, fire these guys up with confidence. I got Judy right there. I believe he's my wide receiver 22 this week. He's had 24 targets over the last two weeks. His route running is amazing. And Noah Fant, I mean, he hasn't scored since week two, but somehow still gained at least 35 yards in every single game this season. Missed one. I mean, he's been banged up out there. But the thing with this Broncos offense, they're up and down with the Drew Locke experience, you know, it's one of these things where it's hardly, you know, consistent week to week. But we see him get down and they can keep on coming back. So I think as long as he continues to be able to do that, we're going to see their top weapons who are, you know, our tight end one and wide receiver one we're talking about right now. Uh, I think they're going to be able to produce pretty much week in and week out, even in uh, some of their tougher matchups. But that is not on the horizon this week. I think it could just be another big time Broncos performance through the air. Uh, with the Patriots, Damian Harris is limited with ankle and chest injuries. Not, not... He's not he's not not practicing, so that's good. Uh, but it's still a situation where Sony Michelle he's not he because he's on the injured reserve right now. They don't have to report his official uh, practice participation, so we don't know what his kind of deal is with the quad injury right now. Either way, this is not the week that you want to play Damon Harris against the Ravens. I and mean, we are you know certainly projecting uh, the Patriots to be kind of working from behind in this one. And with that in mind, it's probably gonna be more of a Rex Burkhead or James White game. And either way, I mean last week I know Harris was banged up at the end, but Rex Burkhead was leading the way with 43% snaps. He had 12 carries and Harris had 14 carries for 33% snaps. So look, Patriots backfield year after year after year for seemingly the past two decades has always kind of been uh, an issue to try to solve. 2020 is no difference. You know, if you do not have any of these running backs on any of your fantasy teams, you are probably doing just fine. Uh, with the Cardinals, Kenyon Drake has been limited all week with an ankle injury, still considered day-to-day, but we'll see if he's out. Chase Edmonds show. We're going back in the well as an RB1. He played 95% snaps last week. 25 carries, 3 targets. I am very aware it did not work out the way we were hoping for, but look, everybody, I mean, you can give almost any player in the league that sort of workload, and we'd be forced to treat him as an RB1. We are chasing volume in fantasy football land, always and forever. Just a situation where with the Cardinals, I mean, Kyler Murray on pace for 152 carries, 1,086 yards, and 16 rushing scores. He's just soaking up with particularly so many of those scoring opportunities near the goal line. Uh, tough to expect too much from the running back in terms of that. But again, with that sort of near every snap workload, uh, tough to ignore. If Kenyon Drake is back, though, both these guys are going to kind of be in that RB3 range because it's tough to kind of see Drake come back and immediately get in that huge role. But obviously, you know, Edmonds didn't necessarily do anything last week uh, to help, you know, seize that starting job for himself either. So... 
more than anything, I'd say both these guys would kind of be on that RB30 borderline and risky starts. I would probably be picking other people in most start-sit questions with similarly ranked players. Uh, with the Bears, David Montgomery is not practicing. He has until Monday night to get out of the concussion protocol. But right now, I mean, we're looking at, you know, Cordero Patterson, Ryan Nall. And I think the favorite to lead the backfield and touch is Lamar Miller. But guys, this is an absolute mess right now because it's not even just that we don't know the usage. This whole run game is a mess. I mean, David Montgomery is tied with Dalvin Cook for the most total force missed tackles this year. I know Dalvin Cook's got far more explosiveness, but like Montgomery isn't the problem. The problem is the scheme and the offensive line because the Bears joined the Jets as the league's only two offenses that have averaged less than one yard before contact per rush this season. So, you know, now before Montgomery, we could rely on just volume-based RB2 production more weeks than not. You take away that volume, we do not have anything resembling RB2 production. So stay far away from the Chicago backfield. In Baltimore, Mark Ingram was limited on Wednesday with the ankle injury, but now he's back down to a DMP on Thursday. So looks like J.K. Dobbins and Gus Bus for another week. Dobbins has been playing more snaps and, and getting the pass down work. You know, Gus Edwards, when they're inside the five-yard line, if they kind of have a stoppage, he'll probably be the guy they lean on there. But you know what? It's pretty pretty 50-50, and we're seeing that kind of play out with the touches. So, you know, when Lamar Jackson's going to run a bunch, we're still going to see these guys more in that 12-15 to 15 range versus the 15-18 to 18 range that we would prefer. But look, I mean, this Patriots defense has really been underperforming this year and now they're just so banged up it's tough to expect uh, anything really more from them so you know I'm not afraid of going back Noel with Dobbins and Gus each has borderline RB2s this week as long as Mark Ingram remains out if he's back it's going to be kind of like that uh, just situation we're talking about in Chicago where we just don't have enough touch distribution to go around particularly uh, with a mobile quarterback involved to feel good about anyone. TJ Hawkinson Midweek downgrade. Tight end position just gets thinner and thinner and thinner. Uh, this week with Kelsey on by, I mean, Hawkinson's legit, you know, maybe the number two overall option behind only Darren Waller, you know, with George Kittle obviously sidelined. So we got to check and see how this toe injury is doing on Friday. Not looking good, people. So, you know, Sheriff Jesse James otherwise uh, for the Lions, but he's not someone you're really going to want to be looking uh, to fire up with any sort of confidence in season long. I would just say go look on, uh, you know, in, in streamer land. Logan Thomas from Washington, uh, someone that's just been getting fed all season. I know the Alex Smith experience. We've been over that on this podcast. Not not that great for anyone other than J.D. McKissick, but you can do worse uh, as streamer and someone that's at least going to be out there every snap. With the 49ers, Ross Dwelly has been outplaying Jordan Reed last week. Maybe that changes, but either way, they're leaning on both these guys. Also, the Vikings, you know, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith. It's at least an offense that can get their tight ends involved when they want to, even if it's inconsistent. So, unfortunate that, you know, people that have had Hawkinson, it really seemed like this was going to be a great week for it, and he has been performing very consistently lately, but, uh, you know, need to keep an eye on this toe injury. Uh, Devontae Freeman re-aggravated his ankle injury, so he still apparently hopes to play Sunday, but like, this does not sound good at all. Look, Wayne Gallman is splitting too much work with Deion Lewis and Alfred Morris. I know he's been kind of getting some of these goal line touchdowns, but those could easily be going to Alf. It was okay with Devontae. We got to the point where it was okay because he was getting pretty much that Saquon Barkley role. They are not giving that to Wayne Gallman. There's too much split going on. The early downs with Alfred, Deion, Deion taking the pass down work. Don't do it, everybody. This Giants O-line could just get eaten up by the Eagles. They have a decent drive or two per game, but overall, I mean, unless we're talking about Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, stay away. Uh, with the Rams, Daryl Henderson practiced Thursday with a quad injury, and Sean McVay said he'll play. He's the lead back, but, you know, it would make sense post-buy for Akers to get more involved. And just by more involved, I mean more than like the one or two snaps per game he's been doing recently. He did have some nice runs in that uh, Dolphins game before their buy. So Henderson, I mean, he's going to be 
Julio number one, I, I think, still. And look, every Seahawks game uh, is pretty much a shootout. So with the Rams playing them this week, we can expect some scoring opportunities. But we just put him a little more towards the lower end than the mid-range that we've kind of been having him at in recent weeks just because I do think we'll see more three-back committee out of this backfield than two in the future. Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey out this week with the shoulder, but it sounds like it isn't a long-term issue. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that he does have a re- realistic chance to return next week. So it's Mike Davis' season for however, however long he's gone. Brutal matchup this week against the Buccaneers, but just realize like this is, again, one of these just volume-based roles that we need to be starting with confidence in fantasy football. And he had at least 70% of the offensive snaps in every start. Dominated in the wins, not so much in the losses. You know, you can make your mind up about which one of those was correlated with him getting the touches or not. I, I realize how it works. But either way, you know, he was just on the field the whole time. So a situation where in the last game he played against the Buccaneers, that was when McCaffrey originally got hurt and Davis came in late. Caught eight passes for 74 yards on 24 snaps. So that was in garbage time against the Buccaneers. But hey, it, it could be in garbage time again. And then when you're on the field all the time, like Davis is, these sort of things are in your range of outcomes. So truly, if you have Mike Davis on your fantasy football team, you need to be starting him this week and beyond as long as McCaffrey remains sidelined. Uh, with the Browns, Nick Chubb is not wearing a brace and he is practicing uh, through this knee injury. It sounds like he is back. Like, look, I was ready to be out on Chubb and Hump, but you look at their remaining schedule. Texans, Eagles, Jaguars, Titans, Ravens, Giants, Jets. That takes us into Week 16. And now OBJ's out of the picture, too. I mean, I know he's been out of the picture, but now that he's out and we have Hunt and Chubb back, like, these are the Browns' top two offensive weapons. and no reason why they shouldn't want to get both of these guys the ball as much as possible. So, you know, with Kareem Hunt, like, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not the huge role we want. Same thing with Chubb, but I still think, you know, particularly as with the dire state the running back position can be some of these weeks, with, with depending on the way the injuries are flying around, but I think with the way that uh, it can shake out at these times, uh, we will see Chubb and Hunt be borderline RB1s uh, more weeks than not here moving forward. We'll also note that Austin Hooper is practicing in full with his appendix issue. He's had five catches in three straight games. Before that injury, he is my tight end 12 on the week. A good guy to have uh, this week and beyond. Mention those uh, cozy matchups here coming up. Six more days to get through, everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard could play in Week 10 through this core injury. So he should be the offense's wide receiver, too. MVS has kind of consistently been their field-stretching option. So I don't think we want to start any of these guys this week, unless we're talking you know, some DFS, Rodgers, Devontae, maybe Lazard stacks. I'm, I'm fine with that on DraftKings, FanDuel, wherever. But in season long, I just want to see some snaps and see if he's actually going to be good to go uh, fully this week. So I'm just worried about kind of their over all rotation and you know, they can ease him back in how is that going to work but good guy to have on your bench right now again this guy was popping off a little bit earlier in the year and he is one of these guys that you know Aaron Rodgers uh, inequivocally trusts a lot so uh, Joe Mixon has not practiced all week with a foot injury so not looking good Giovanni Bernard again is an upside RB2 as long as Joe Mixon is out uh, funny with Mixon I mean we always complain about Giovanni Bernard uh, just being this guy that was really holding him back I mean Mixon led the league in touches during weeks one through six I know we didn't have as many targets as we wanted, but uh, kind of one of these things with him, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, where, you know, we don't have the huge roles we want, but still uh, pretty nice when you kind of look at it in the whole grand scheme of the league. So Giovanni Bernard, we're going to get 12 to 15 carries and probably three to eight targets, but Samaj P. Ryan's probably going to be having double-digit carry potential as well. So obviously we're not going to be starting P. Ryan in this uh, brutal spot against the Steelers, not even considering the guy. He does not need to be on any fantasy team, but uh, just, you know, noting that Giovanni Bernard is not getting quite that same uh, massive role by Mixon, but you know, in a spot that should feature some negative game script and enhanced pass game opportunity, I do think uh, Geo has that you know top 15 upside in him. 
with the Eagles. Miles Sanders is back practicing in full through the knee injury, and Alshon Jeffrey is as well with the foot injury. So, you know, look, Miles Sanders, he played at least 75% snaps in all four of his non-injury shortened games. Boston Scott will not get to be a giant slayer again this week. Fire up Sanders as an RB1 with confidence. I am worried about Travis Fulgham, and, you know, we've talked about him all year on this podcast. Like, he has been fantastic, and it wouldn't make sense for them to yank him off the field. He's been so productive, but I'm just not sure what they're going to do here. I think at some point we need to expect the targets to at least be dialed back a little bit because where is he going to line up? Jalen Rager is their field stretcher. Greg Ward is their slot. Alshon Jeffrey is seemingly coming back to take Fulgham's job. So, you know, maybe we see them doing more four wide receiver stuff, but I don't think that happens either because Dallas Goddard is, you know, right there in the tight end slot. So situation where this offense has been so up and down, I, I love what Fulgham has done, but I just think we're going to see a four wide receiver rotation of sorts or we see Fulgham slide in as a big slot, which I would absolutely love. Or maybe we see Jeffrey not even play that much. But I just think that, you know, Fulgham, as great as he's been, he's only been on the team 30-some days at this point. Jeffrey has been with the organization a lot longer, done some really important things for them. You know, if, if you got a close start sit question this week, I would probably lean towards not Fulgham just until we can get a better grip on this situation. Uh, David Johnson has been sidelined all week with a concussion. So free Duke season is here, everybody. Adam Schefter has confirmed that David is unlikely to play. So I'm not expecting the same kind of 80% plus role that Duke had last week because of the Texans running back coach Danny Barrett previously said that undrafted rookie Scotty Phillips would be elevated from the practice squad and get some carries in this situation. But look, it's it's more like the Boston Scott when Miles Sanders is out situation than Chase Edmonds without Kenyon Drake. That's fine. That's still a top, you know, 16, top 18 running back this week. And that's what we're treating Duke as, you know, legit RB2. Just don't get carried away and treat him kind of as the uh, higher end RB1 like we've thought Chase Evans and Alexander Madison could be even if that isn't the way things obviously turned out with those guys with the Dolphins, uh, Matt Breida's been limited all week with a hamstring injury. I've gotten some start sick questions with Matt Breida so far. It's going to be no people. That's the answer to this Miami backfield. No, don't do it. It's a committee. It's brutal. It's like a four or five person committee. Salvin Ahmed led the way last week. Jordan Howard is trying you know, to put together this just like 30 carry, 30 yard, 15 touchdown season, which is fun. I, I, I respect that. I appreciate it. It's fun to monitor, but it's not helping anyone else in this backfield. We also got Patrick Laird, you know, our Laird and Savior out there uh, getting some targets as well. And Deontay Washington is someone that they traded for and he's now eligible to play after, uh, you know, not being there last week. So Breida is coming back to an absolute mess. Like, yeah, I guess he should be the favorite for touches, but that could easily be like eight or something. And, you know, Tua uh, doesn't seem like the, uh, the guy that's, you know, necessarily going to be actively feeding his running backs, uh, at least in the kind of manner that we saw Fitzpatrick doing at least a little bit. So yeah, Matt Breida, no, I'm out. I'm out on all these guys for right now. Miles Gaskin gets back and it's healthy. That's when we will talk about this Dolphins backfield again. Uh, last one here with the Seahawks. So Chris Carson still not practicing with the foot and same thing with Carlos Hyde in the hamstring. Uh, Pete Carroll did come out and say that, you know, Carson is 50-50 to play this week, allegedly. Uh, he's definitely closer than Carlos Hyde and has been at least running this week. So Hyde seems out. Look, if Carson can come back and we have any sort of good feel about him, you know, commanding a decent-sized role, that works. We can get back to treating him as the RB1 he's been whenever healthy this year. But otherwise, this is a mess, everybody. Keep an eye on Rashad Penny against a situation like Sony Michelle where we don't know when these guys are going to be back. But that's going to throw another back into the mix. But as it stands with Travis Homer, 
Boomer, DJ Dallas, Alex Collins. It's a mess right now. I'm just expecting the Seahawks to throw, continue to throw the ball to their heart's desires. I mean, last week, Travis Homer, 46% snaps, six carries, three targets. DJ Dallas, 32% snaps, seven carries, two targets. Alex Collins chipped in 21% snaps and two carries as well. So super split. Nobody's playing even half of the offensive snaps. Nobody's getting even uh, 10 combined carries and targets per game. Again, if Carson's back, that's fine. We can work with it. Otherwise, just stay away from the Seahawks backfield. Just be happy that maybe, just maybe, this could be the week that Metcalf and Lockett get back to balling out together. That's going to do it, everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, bringing you new episodes every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm your host, Ian Hartz. You can check me out on Twitter, at iHeartIt, and maybe check out, if you feel like it, Sirius XM, Fantasy Sports Radio. I host a show every Saturday, 5 to 7 p.m. We also have a show with my coworker, Andrew Erickson, 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday. So thank you, as always, for listening. I'm Ian Hartz. Good luck in Week 10, everybody. And until next time, take care. 